It's common for people to make plans for their funerals. Uh, I know young people don't think too much about that sort of thing, but as folks get older, they begin thinking about how they want their funeral to be conducted. Maybe they have some idea about the preacher that they would like to preach their funeral. Maybe some of the songs that they would like to have sung at their funeral. Uh, the cemetery where they'll be buried and so forth. People begin to make plans uh, concerning their funeral. That's very common and it's understandable. Uh, again, especially as folks grow older, they begin to think along those lines. For a few minutes this morning, we want to talk about a Bible character who gave instructions about how he wanted things to be done after his death. Just before he died, he gave the instructions. And we want to make reference to... Let's see here. Okay, we want to make reference to Joseph and the bones of Joseph and instructions that he gave about how his body was to be taken and cared for after his death. Uh, I think there are some important lessons that we can learn concerning the instructions Joseph gave as to how his body was to be treated after he died. We want to talk about the bones of Joseph this morning for a few minutes. We stop here for just a minute to say thank you to everybody for being present. It's a, still a hot and humid day in Middle Tennessee, but it's a beautiful day and a great blessing to be able to be together on this Lord's Day to worship. We thank you for being here to be a part of it. We have visitors with us. We're very grateful for your presence. We want you to come back every time you have a chance to be here. And we're always open to your questions. Anything that you'd like to know about what we're doing and why we're doing it this way, we'd be very anxious to talk with you about that. But we thank you all for being here today and for the encouragement that you offer. We pray that God will be glorified in all of our actions together this morning. You know about Joseph. You know the story of Joseph. You know the history about Joseph. We remember that he was the, one of the younger, next to youngest, but favored son of his father Jacob. And because his father had shown really overt favoritism toward Joseph, his brothers hated him. They were very jealous of him, and given an opportunity, they took him and sold him into slavery. He ended up in Egypt. Uh, you know the long story about all that happened to Joseph in Egypt. Uh, he was initially a servant, a slave in a man's house, but he ended up in jail. But by a very amazing turn of events, he was made actually the second highest man in power in all of Egypt. And so here's a guy who started out as a slave and ended up second command only to the king or pharaoh of Egypt. He was powerful uh, in his position. The, the, his relatives came and all lived there in Egypt and they prospered and things went well with them while Joseph was alive. But just before Joseph died, he said to his brethren, I die. And God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land into the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died, and being a hundred and ten years old, they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. I think there are several interesting things here. We could simply regard this as... Joseph's funeral wishes, if you would, 
But there's more than that. I think the instructions that he gave about his bones teach us some things. One thing for sure that we learn about this is the certainty of death. Did you notice Joseph said, I die. And then later, Joseph, in fact, did die. Joseph died. That's not really a shocking thing, is it? That's just a reality for all. Here, Joseph was a very mighty and powerful man. And yet he understood, I'm going to die. And he did die. And so I don't care if you're the highest ranking political figure in the world. If you're the most powerful man or the richest man, or if you're the poorest and lowliest of men, death is a reality. And so even though Joseph had attained very high rank in Egypt, he was not exempt from this. No one is. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it says, It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. We all face judgment. Well, death and judgment. And it's just foolish to ignore these realities. I, unfortunately, I think a lot of people do. A lot of people just don't dwell on what is obviously going to happen for all. That is, as long as the Lord waits, as long as, until the Lord returns, with the exception of those who are living when the Lord returns, everyone has this appointment with death. And it's just a reality. And we have to deal with that. It's foolish to ignore it. What about you this morning? Are you accepting the reality that this life will not go on forever? That this is not all there is? This is not the finality of the matter? We're going to die. There's a certainty of death. Even for a great, powerful man like Joseph, death was a reality. I'll tell you something else we see here in this story. And that is the, the faithfulness of God's promises Joseph had no doubt that God would fulfill the very long-standing promises that he had made to the forefathers. Notice, he mentioned the promises, that which God sware to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Joseph was aware that God has made certain promises, and those promises went way back in history, but he was sure that God would keep those promises that he had made. In Hebrews chapter 11... Now remember Hebrews chapter 11. We, we know Hebrews chapter 11 is that chapter that talks about great characters of faith in Old Testament times and the things that they did. Do you know Joseph is mentioned there? And it says by faith, verse 22, Joseph when he died made mention of the departing of the children of Israel, gave commandment concerning his bones. And so Joseph had faith and as he faced death, he understood that the children of Israel would be departing from Egypt. He had no doubt about that. God had made promises, and the promises that God had made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob didn't involve staying in Egypt forever. There was another place that God had promised, and he knew that God would keep those promises. God is faithful to do what he says he would do. We could go back and read about the promises made. Starting in Genesis 12 to the man Abraham... God made promises. Genesis 12, beginning verse 1, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him and went forth to, into the land of Canaan. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed I will give this land. We often make reference of a threefold promise that God made to Abram here. First of all, 
he said, I'm going to make a great nation out of thy descendants. And so that was the first promise. And actually, by the time that Joseph died, this promise was coming to fulfillment. The Israelites were multiplying in Egypt. They had become a great number. In fact, ultimately, they would become such a a numerous people in Egypt that Pharaoh feared them. There are so many of them. And so this promise about becoming a great nation was already well underway to fulfillment when Joseph died. He made a promise about the land of Canaan. Unto thy seed I will give this land. And so there was a promise about the land. And Joseph believed that was going to happen. That that hadn't happened yet. But Joseph had absolute confidence that that land promise would be fulfilled. The third part of this promise was still centuries away. In thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. We believe the third part of that promise had to do with Jesus. And that through Abraham's seed, Jesus specifically, all nations of the earth, all families of the earth would be blessed. A threefold promise that God made to Abraham. And Joseph was sure that this was all going to happen. As we said, part of it was already happening. They were becoming a numerous people. He was sure they would leave Egypt and go to the land that God had promised to give to them. The other promise about the coming Messiah was way off in the future. But Joseph believed God. Joseph was a man of faith. And that's why he said, don't leave my bones here. You're going to be leaving. You're not going to stay here forever. When you leave, take my bones with you. What Joseph knew was special about God is stated in Titus 1, verse 2, when it speaks of God who cannot lie. God cannot lie. When God promises, then it will come to pass. Uh, it, It will not be missed. His promise will not fail. And the interesting thing about God is that when God makes a promise, He has the power to bring it to fruition. He promises, and he's all-powerful. He can do whatever he promises to do. Now, that would be different. You know, you could contrast that with us. We could make promises and have no way at all. For instance, let's just say this morning, I promise to all of you who are here this morning, we'll do sort of like an Oprah Winfrey. I promise to everyone here this morning, you're going to get a brand new car. Everybody today gets a new car. You all get a new car. But I don't have any power to fulfill that kind of a promise, right? Uh, but God does. He has, the, he has the power to fulfill anything that he, ha, that he has promised. In Psalm 147, verse 4, beginning, He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all them their names. Great is our Lord, abundant in power. His understanding is above measure, beyond measure. And so God can do what He promises to do. Joseph knew that. Joseph knew of the promises that God had made, and he was absolutely certain they would come to pass. We're not surprised to know that, in fact, everything did come to pass in regards to the land, the promised land. In the reading that Jeff read for us earlier from Joshua, uh, excuse me, hang on, we're not too, uh, this is another reading. We're going to get to Jeff's reading here in a minute. This is from Joshua 21, verse 43, beginning, The Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he swore to give to their fathers, and they possessed it and dwelt therein. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel all came to pass. And so there we see, and we're not surprised, that everything that God had promised them, in particular concerning the promised land, came true. By the way, this is the passage that we like to use when we're 
disputing what people claim today that God didn't give all the land that he promised and that there must still be a coming future kingdom in which God can fulfill all those unfulfilled land promises that God made to Israel. I don't know how people could hold to that position when this statement is so very clear. There failed not aught of any good thing that the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel all came to pass. Uh, he gave them all the land which he swore to give to their fathers. I, I just don't know how you could have the idea that it didn't happen. It did happen. And this statement is very clear. But we're not surprised about that. God can't lie. And when he makes promises, he keeps them. Go back with me again for a minute to Titus 1, verse 2. God, who cannot lie, what has He promised to us? The hope of eternal life. And so we have a great and wonderful promise from God. Actually, the promise that God has made to us is far greater than the promise that He made to Abraham. We can have eternity in heaven, right? And this is the promise that God has made. He can't lie. And so we need to have that confidence that God will do his part. God will do as he promised to do. Joseph was a man of faith. And he knew that God was faithful concerning his promises, that God wouldn't lie. And so here's Joseph, and he's about to die. He's basically given his funeral wishes. And his funeral wishes are, when you leave here to go to the land that God promised, you take my bones with you. You're not going to stay here in Egypt. You're going to go to that land. I know you will. God promised you. And when you go, take my bones with you. He was making his funeral wishes known, wasn't he? But the reason why he was doing that is because he had such tremendous faith in the promises of God. And we've got to have faith in God's promises as well. I tell you, this story gives us a lesson about God's timing of things. Would you agree with me if I said we're a very impatient people we want what we want, and we want it right now. Uh, that's the way we usually look at things. I, I, I read a, a study recently that sec- suggested that people are becoming increasingly impatient. I mean, now it takes only a few seconds for people to get kind of upset if, if they don't get what they want, and they don't get it immediately. We are a people that demands instant gratification. We want it now. That's our outlook. But I want to tell you, God's timing isn't always on our schedule. We need to understand that. And you can see that in this story about Joseph's bones. I want you to consider the number of years that are involved in this overall story. When Joseph died, it had been a little over 600 years since God made that initial promise to Abraham that we read there in Genesis chapter 12. So when he had died, it was approximately, it had already been approximately 600 years since Abraham received that initial promise. And then, of course, when they left, Moses led them out of Egypt, out of bondage. In Exodus 13, verse 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones away hence with you. So, it had been so when Joseph died, it had been about 600 years since Abraham received the initial promise. Joseph died. It was another about 150 years from the time that Joseph died before Moses led them out uh, of Egyptian bondage. So 
Now we're at 750 years. It's been 750 years since that promise was made. Maybe God's not going to get the job done. He, maybe he promised something he couldn't carry out. Maybe he made some promises he couldn't fulfill. No. It's just that God's timing's not like ours. Here's a final reference to the bones of Joseph. This, this is the reading that Jeff did for us earlier. In Joshua 24, verse 31, beginning, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua and which had known all the works that the Lord, uh, all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. And the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, they buried in Shechem in a parcel of ground which Jacob bought. There's your final reference to the bones of Joseph. But this is several years later still. So 600 years from Abraham to Joseph's death, 150 years from Joseph's death to the Exodus led by Moses. But that, they didn't go straight to the promised land, did they? They, wandered, they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And then there was about another 25 years that took them the conquest of Canaan land. This is, about, this is about 65 years after Moses led the children of Israel out. About six, so now we're at over 800 years. Something over 800 years have transpired since God made that initial promise to Abraham. Well, again, I think what this emphasizes is that God's timing, not like our timing. I want what I want right now. Sometimes God's timing isn't on my schedule and I need to be patient and wait for his promises. In fact, that's what the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning verse 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward, for ye have need of patience, that after you've done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. Forget a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. God's going to keep his promise. And for those of us who serve him today, the promise that God has made to us is just absolutely sure as the promise that God made to Abraham. Just as surely as the children of Israel will receive the promised land, we will receive the, the promise of heaven if we're faithful to him. We've got to be patient, though, because God's timing is not always like ours. Um, the children of Israel could wait hundreds of years to receive their promise. We have to wait to receive the promises of God. So, think about this. Just kind of an interesting story about Joseph and his funeral wishes. You know, this is what I want you to do with my bones. This is how I want you to take care of my body. He was embalmed. By the way, the Egyptians were expert embalmers in that ancient time. And even to this day, you know, they bring out mummies that the Egyptians embalmed thousands of years ago. His body was embalmed. He says, take my bones with you when you go. We learn some things. And finally, I want to suggest to you, we learn the importance of preparation. You got your funeral arrangements made? I, I doubt if there's, there's a minority. There's most of us don't. There's a minority of people here who maybe have their funeral arrangements made. I to tell you, have you, bought a, have you bought a funeral plot? You have a cemetery plot? Have you got a cemetery plot? Again, I think the number of people who probably have bought their cemetery plot here this morning probably pretty, pretty small number. But those things have to be taken care of. Eventually, you're going to have to make some funeral preparations. You know what's more vital than that? What's more vital than that is preparations for eternity, preparations for judgment. 
Joseph did this too. Joseph was a faithful man of God. He's mentioned there in Hebrews chapter 11 in faith's great hall of fame in Hebrews chapter 11. Joseph's mentioned. He's a great man of faith. So not only did Joseph prepare for his physical funeral, but he prepared to be with God and we have to too. In Mark chapter 8, verse 36, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? Joseph was a great, powerful man. He had it made. He was, he was the second most powerful man in Egypt. And that may have been, that may have meant that he was the second most powerful man in the whole world because Egypt was the world power at that time. But still, that's not enough, is it? What about you? Could you gain the whole world? What would it profit you if you did and you lost your soul? Jesus asked that question and the answer is obvious. You wouldn't have gained anything if you lost your soul. That being the case, Colossians 3 verse 2 says, Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. That's our problem is that we get distracted. We get distracted with things here and now. Our affection, our determination, our planning and our goal needs to be for eternity. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Look, our inheritance is not like the inheritance that the children of Israel received. They received what? They received the promised land, but their inheritance was corruptible. Ours is incorruptible. And undefiled, and it fades not away. It's in heaven. And we need to remain faithful and work in preparation to judgment. Descendants of Abraham look forward to an earthly inheritance, and they got it. But for us, we have something even far better, don't we? And the question is are you preparing for that? Are you making the preparations? Joseph's instructions seem kind of simple, don't it? Just don't leave my bones here. And when you go, take my bones with you. Seemed like a simple instruction, but if you stop to think about it, there are several things implied in those instructions. Something for us to learn from. What's your situation? Have you been making those preparations for physical death and judgment toward eternity spiritually? If you have not, then we urge you to make that preparation. Do it without delay. If you're not a Christian, you need to become one. The simple gospel plan of salvation says, Hear the truth and believe it. Repent of your sins. Confess your faith in Jesus. Be baptized for the remission of sins. If you've never done those things, we'll hope you make that decision without delay. If you're a Christian already, but you've slipped back and not been faithful to your Lord, we beg you to come to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.